engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And tonight is your next snooze fest in Detroit. It will be the Lily White Democratic debate. There is not a person of color on that stage tonight. For a Democratic Party that prides itself in diversity, you would think CNN's random drawing just coincidentally put Sanders versus Warren tonight and and, uh, Kamala Harris versus Biden tomorrow. Coincidentally. It was just a random drawing. There was no weighting of the names or anything like that. It just happened. (laughs) So you're going to have this all-white panel in Detroit tonight uh, trying to be woke and intersectionalist as possible, and they're all going to be going after Joe Biden. Well, maybe they are, except you've got Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders versus the people who are running to be the more moderate people on stage tonight. And that's what's going to be very interesting to watch with this debate is how they go after each other. So on the stage tonight, you're going to have Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And then a guy you've probably never heard of, Montana Governor Steve Bullock, who's got a a woman skeleton in the closet problem that will come out eventually if he gains traction. Uh, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Former Maryland Congressman John Delaney. uh, Former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. Former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke. And Ohio Representative Tim Ryan. And then, of course, you have our favorite, Marianne Williamson. Now, what the Democrats are doing is they're they're curtailing who all can be on stage. So you've you've had these very two large, two big debates. The one in Miami from NBC, MSNBC. This one in Detroit from CNN. There will be a debate in September and it will be a, an even smaller gathering of candidates. Uh, they're already disqualified people. Andrew Yang, a guy you may not have heard of, he's running as a, a far-left candidate. Um, he has been disqualified from the September debate. He's already crying foul with the Democrats. It's, it's going to be very, very funny to watch. Um, very funny to see. Now, what do we have for tonight? Well, You're going to have Sanders and Warren who have been signaling they're not going to go after each other, that instead they're going to go after the moderates on stage. See, Sanders wants the nomination, and he believes the Democratic Party screwed him out of the nomination against Hillary Clinton, and they did, by the way. Sanders isn't even a Democrat. I mean, there was no business with the Democrats letting Sanders run to begin with, but he did. Well, he and Elizabeth Warren are friends. And they don't want to go after each other. And the moderators are going to try to get them to go after each other, which is so interesting. You're going to see the moderators trying to force a fight between the two of them. And they're going to try to, uh, well, push back. And then you've got guys like uh, Beto O'Rourke and Pete Buttigieg. O'Rourke has got to be jealous of Buttigieg because Buttigieg has stolen all of his thunder. I mean, O'Rourke was the man, the media darling. The the problem with Beto O'Rourke is he believed his own press. He believed the press really loved him as opposed to the press loved him against Ted Cruz. And those are two different things. Now he's running for president. He doesn't really have a reason to be running. He, He did a terrible media rollout in Vanity Fair where he just seemed very entitled 
to it. He hasn't been able to raise money. Uh, meanwhile, Buttigieg has been raising money hand over fist uh, to the point that Beto O'Rourke is making passive aggressive uh, comments about uh, Buttigieg's private plane travel. And, you know, the, the bad things he's doing to the environment. By the way, just as an aside here, as, as a complete aside. Multiple media outlets are going to begin talking about climate crisis instead of climate change. MSNBC, CNN, and others, they're moving their language from climate change to climate crisis. I mentioned this just very briefly yesterday. A political operative in Washington, D.C. had someone leave a nasty note on her car attacking her for driving. And it wasn't just her. It was other people in the parking lot where she was. They all had notes on their cars talking about how they were destroying the earth. We only had 10 years left, uh, and we've got to do something radical, and driving cars is bad. You need to stop. At the same time, you had uh, a guy who is a famous frequent flyer on social media getting attacked by environmentalist wackos for being a frequent flyer, that all of his joy travels were bad for the environment. He was killing the earth. Meanwhile, today you've got uh, Prince Harry saying he and Meghan Markle in London, they're only going to have two kids because having more than that is bad for the environment. How much longer until we see the rise of an organized eco-terrorism movement? I mean, we, we've had some in, in the Pacific Northwest in particular. There is a small band of eco-terrorists who, who do blow up things and, and cause problems. Remember, there was some band of eco-terrorists who they, they released all the minks. Remember, the, so the mink animals making mink coats, they released them from some facility up in the Pacific Northwest. They all got killed. How long is it, are we going to see? And, and tonight they're going to focus on that at this Democratic debate. They're going to focus on how uh, Donald Trump is bad for the environment. Everyone is bad for the environment. We've got 10 years left to, to write things. Are all these people and the media going to drive people to insanity and, and to violence? Because it seems like every time the president tweets, the media wants to hold him accountable for any indirect violence. Meanwhile, you've got guys like um, Hodgkinson gunning people down, uh, mass assassination attempt on Republicans because the Democrats said Republicans were going to kill people with health care reform. And the media is like, oh, no, no, nobody's rhetoric is responsible for that. He's just crazy. What are we going to see in this regard tonight? Are they going to inflame tensions further? Um, all of these candidates, though, that they're at the Democratic debate tonight, they're going to have to wrestle with Joe Biden. A lot of polling has come out, and the polling shows Joe Biden has recovered from his poor debate performance. Yeah, that's right. You would not know that from CNN. See, CNN is... Um, it's hosting the debate tonight and CNN wants there to be drama because in their random drawing, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are yet again going to be next to each other on stage. So yet again can have another clash just like they did at the NBC debate. Y'all Harris and Biden are tomorrow night. Harris has gone back down in the polls and Biden has gone back up in the polls. And what's so interesting about this is the CNN headlines are all about how Biden is fading and Harris has momentum. None of the data out there suggested, including in the poll, other than the CNN poll, CNN, uh, amazingly, CNN randomly put Biden and Harris together and randomly has a poll that shows the shifting momentum to Kamala Harris that nobody else shows. It's almost as if they're trying to to really hype up their debate tomorrow night for, for viewers. 
the all white debate tonight and the all fight debate tomorrow. It's going to be very interesting with CNN how they do this thing. And they're all tonight and tomorrow going to go after Joe Biden. It's going to be harder for the folks tonight to go after Joe Biden, though, because he's not on stage. Oh, I know where I wanted to go. California is going to block Donald Trump from being on the ballot unless he hands over his tax returns. They passed the law. The legislature passed the law. The governor says he's going to sign the law. I don't think it's constitutional. For a lot of reasons, I don't think it's constitutional. Um, thank God I have a mute button. Otherwise, I would have just sneezed all over you people. Man, I am. Are, is everybody else having allergies today? I realize this is very scattered. Um, but I have been like sneezing all afternoon. I don't know what's in the air. Okay. Yeah, Charlie's yelling at me. Focus, focus, focus. I'm sorry. There are so many things going on. California wants to prohibit the president from being on the ballot unless he hands over his tax returns because they're very bitter that the president hasn't handed over his tax returns. I say the next time a re- Republicans meet for a legislative session in a Republican state, they ensure that uh, people's college transcripts, Barack Obama, be handed over. But this is what California wants. Um, it's unconstitutional. The reason it is unconstitutional is because the Constitution of the United States sets the qualifications for a president of the United States to have ballot access. And that is he has to be a citizen of the United States for, I think, 14 years and be 35 years of age or older. And I said that wrong. He has to be a, a lifetime citizen of the United States and a resident within the United States for 14 consecutive years prior to becoming president. Um, you can live outside the country, but you've got to be in the country for a number of years uh, and a, a birth citizen of the United States. And then you got to be 35 years of age. And that's it. Those are the requirements. It's very much like if you'll recall the um, case before the Supreme Court in the 1990s, where several states passed term limits on members of Congress and the Senate. And the Supreme Court said that was unconstitutional. And the reason it was unconstitutional is because they can't limit the they can't infringe on the ballot access of a candidate for federal office by adding restrictions beyond what the Constitution puts in place. So this is very much an unconstitutional piece of legislation, but California is doing it because, remember, we are in a day and age where emotion trumps facts, and it is an emotional thing for the Democrats right now. They feel very upset and they feel like an injustice is happening, that there is no constitutional requirement for presidents to hand over their tax returns, and this president refuses to do so, even though other people who have run for president uh, have always handed their stuff over. Well, you know, I agree the president probably should, but at this point, I'm kind of actually laughing at the Democrats becoming so emotionally attached to this issue and doing blatantly unconstitutional things in demonstration of it. Now, when we come back, oh, Nancy Pelosi may have a democratic civil war on her hands. I would like to announce a major public policy change on my part. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm typically rather consistent in my views. Um, I'm a conservative and I view things through a conservative lens. And I have long supported the innovation of the e-scooter market and the ability of people in Atlanta and other major metropolitan areas to just tap their phone to one of those e-scooters left on sidewalks everywhere and, and scoot around town to their needs and speed things up and whatnot. And, and I have changed my position. 
I have concluded that the e-scooter movement is of the devil and should be banned and people riding them should be hauled off to re-education camps and prohibited from ever riding them again. And I think that uh, candidates for office could probably get elected easily by taking an anti-scooter position and all candidates everywhere should campaign against the e-scooters. They're just, they are a blight on our city, left on sidewalks and everywhere. It just, it just, ugh. I'm, I used to support them, but the more I encounter them and have to go around them and, and have people leave, someone abandoned one on the connector last week. I was on the connector right between the 14th, the, the 10th street exit and the 17th street exit. Someone had left a scooter there. I just, who, I don't know. I'm, I'm opposed. Um, okay. We need to talk about Nancy Pelosi, who may have a civil war on her hands. First, Mike and Marietta, I want to get to you. Welcome. Hey, how are you, Eric? Good, how are you? Just wanted to, maybe you could go over a big reason why anybody truly needs to see the president's uh, tax returns and stuff what do you gain so okay so here's the thing the the democrats have long suspected the president isn't actually a billionaire they've also suspected the president uh did things on his tax returns that could easily be verified as as false and get him in in trouble so they want to see his tax returns to one expose the president for a fraud and two to try to get the president in trouble with the IRS. That's it. Uh, that those are the only reasons they want to see his taxes. They, they have no other real reasons to see his taxes. It has always been about their belief that the president overstates his wealth, and as a result, they hope to catch him on that and possibly uh, punish him with the IRS and cart him off to jail. That's the only major reason they care. Uh, and again, uh, conservatives long cared about Barack Obama's college transcripts uh, because th- there was the suspicion that Barack Obama, even though he's an American citizen, went to college and claimed uh, that he was of African descent uh, to get a scholarship or whatnot, or that he wasn't as smart as he was. Uh, you name it, and Democrats long ridiculed that, uh, long called it racist. Uh, frankly, I always thought, you, you know, he, George W. Bush didn't release his college transcripts and uh, partisan activists at his former colleges leaked his transcripts. It is remarkable to me how the Protect the Precious campaign flew in to protect Barack Obama, never released his college transcripts. But at this point, I don't care. He's not president. Um, I have long argued the president should release his tax returns uh, just as a matter of, of policy. But at this point, it drives the Democrats so crazy, it's almost worth it for the president to not do it because, yet again, the president seems to understand the Democrats overplay their hands. I mean, for example, take this stuff on Baltimore. And Elijah Cummings, the, the president was quoted by a reporter today saying there was no strategy for him to attack Baltimore and Elijah Cummings. He was just saying what he thought. And it has driven the Democrats over the edge that the president might have done this without a strategy because, you know, the Democrats are convinced the president has a strategy of mobilizing blue-collar racists across the country to get himself reelected. And, oh, there clearly was a strategy, and now he's denying it, and that's proof there really was a strategy. The whole thing is insane. It is insane. Nancy Pelosi now. Can I get to this? Nancy Pelosi... The media is saying is, well, well ensconced in power now. The most powerful she has ever been. Y'all, this all has the makings to me of the beginnings of the French Revolution before the reign of terror. She seems 
secure in her power. And I don't think she is. And the reason I don't think she is is because you have the soft power of these Democrats like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and the rest. And they motivate the progressive base of the Democratic Party. And in particular, they motivate white progressive Democrats. Now, the Democratic Party has long had a problem that the media chooses not to talk about. And as much as they talk about the demographics and the Republican Party and the problems with the Republican Party because of demographics, they don't talk about the problems with the Democratic Party because of demographics, because most of the media is Democrat and they can't see the forest for the trees within their own party. Black and Hispanic voters within the Democratic Party are way more moderate than the white progressive atheists of the Democratic Party. But the white progressive atheists of the Democratic Party are the ones who give most of the money. And they're the ones who get fired up about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and, and the like, the, the go-back-to-where-they-came-from women, the, the suicide squad of the Democratic Party. And there's going to be a fracturing of the Democratic Party because of it. Because Nancy Pelosi seems very secure right now, but Nancy Pelosi doesn't have the donor clout with progressives that these women do. And increasingly, these women behind the scenes are more and more embittered with Nancy Pelosi over the issue of impeachment. They are desperate to impeach the president. And I suspect what we're going to see with the Democratic Party debates tonight and tomorrow is that some of the Democrats who are on the fringe, who really, really, really need to do something bold to get on stage at the next debate, they're going to start calling for impeachment as well. And in calling for impeachment, they're going to hurt themselves with voters. I mean, take the 6th Congressional District here in Georgia, for example, Lucy McBath's district. Uh, There have been multiple polls, not just Republican polls, but independent polls as well that have shown that overwhelmingly the voters in the 6th Congressional District, they don't want the president impeached. So what's going to happen to someone like Lucy McBath who refuses to go along with impeachment when the progressive leaders of the Democratic Party outside Nancy Pelosi forced the issue? I mean, if McBath were to vote no, she would get a primary challenge and there would be money poured into the race to hurt her. If she votes yes, the voters rebel against her. And in a Democratic primary in that district, that district actually is a Republican district. Well, she's going to be in a world of hurt. And Pelosi is trying to keep things from going off the rails within the party and in Congress, and increasingly she's having a hard time. When you start seeing stories in newspapers about how person X is at the top of their game and extremely powerful, uh, that's usually a sign that they aren't and things are slipping and they're pushing these stories out and generating these stories to try to stave off the inevitable. And it looks like the inevitable is upon Nancy Pelosi. And we could have a full-blown democratic civil war on our hands. The only thing that could stop it is for them to quickly settle on a presidential nominee who is not a, a raving lunatic progressive. But the way they're all out to get Joe Biden makes that more and more difficult to see. I still think Biden's going to be the nominee, but I think he's going to have to make so many significant compromises with the left to secure the nomination that it's going to hurt him in the general election. Man, y'all, I got to tell you, this getting the vice president here on Friday, oh, it is. Charlie and I, are, are we're at our stress limits. Gracious. 
Um, it, it's just, it's something. Um, but you know what? We're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have a good conference this coming weekend. Uh, oof. now I need to do another check of the radar because we have a continuation of the severe thunderstorm warning in Paulding County. It expires in a couple minutes, but there's also this storm up in the LJ area in Fanning and Gilmer County. I realize it is outside the listening area, but I've also gotten several texts from people and emails from listeners saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm headed up 575 and, and that's where I'm headed. So let me just tell you, it is a lot of rain up there, but both storms are kind of winding down in intensity. The one in the Dallas area, though, it's wrapped around Dallas, uh, but north of Dallas, very strong. The Ackworth area is starting to get some rain, and there over Lake Alatoona, you're starting to get some rain. Up 575, you've got rain just south of Woodstock and in Woodstock, and then north of there, you've just got scattered showers up to Aleskan Ball Ground. Uh, 85 north of the city, mostly clear, 400 as well, all the way up to Dahlonega. Uh, 85 southbound, south of the airport, though, from uh, where it splits off to 285 down to Palmetto, you've got some storms in that area. Otherwise, just some very light scattered rain out there. Uh, radar's kind of hit or miss. So it's just, uh, it's north of the city, it's messy. South of the city, you're okay. Now, we have lots of other stuff to talk about tonight, including the Capital One hack. I asked my buddy Chris Burns to check in with me at 5.09 when we come back. because This Capital One hack is pretty significant. Uh, and you've heard Clark Howard as well talk about it today, too, that we're running into problems as a society with hackers being able to get our essential information from various online platforms, banks, shopping centers, uh, whether it's credit cards or loan information, social security information, it's becoming a really big problem and no one seems to have a way to do anything about it. And, and part of that problem, of course, is because the social security number has become so embedded in society and it was never supposed to be, by the way. The social security number was only supposed to be tied to social security benefits. And we have people who call all the time and argue this point. And, and I mean, it's, it's water under the bridge at this point. Society depends on the social security number, but you access it, you get it, and you can wreak havoc on someone's credit. We've got the Equifax situation. It's just been a mess for people out there these days, and something in society is going to have to give. I don't know what that looks like, uh, and that's something I'll talk to Chris about, and I'll get Clark Howard in here at some point. We'll talk to him about it as well. And we've got some rain now over I-20 just west of the city between Mableton and Douglasville. Very, very heavy rain right there. Also rain down 85. It's Eric Erickson here. Welcome Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk Capital One has had a big hack. A lot of data compromised for customers of Capital One. And I asked my buddy Chris Burns from Dynamic Money, which you can hear here on Sundays on WSB, to stop by and, and talk to me about it. Chris, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. But this one was close to home. I just moved, literally the last few weeks, just moved my kids' bank accounts 
and uh, as well as a lot of our personal accounts of it over to Capital One. So it was great timing, apparently. Yeah, and so my understanding is that this was, was it credit cards or was it bank accounts as well? Uh, primarily credit cards from what we know. that it's, it's hard to get a lot of information right now because Capital One, understandably, uh, doesn't really want to share the full impact as of yet. They're, they're doing their own investigation. But yeah, primarily credit cards, but it's over a, a long period of time. Literally anybody who's applied for a personal or a business credit card from like 2005 until now, they think the data was breached. So over 100 million Americans uh, would have been impacted by out of a nation of 350 million geez staggering it's literally on the same level as the equifax breach so it's, it's a little crazy this week when we see the equifax uh finally ruling come down where it looks like there's going to be over half a billion dollars of monies paid out by equifax because of their data breach in 2017 and now here we sit with something of similar scope in the same week so it's it's pretty remarkable stuff that you know, good grief uh, so what's in your wallet a hacker yeah exactly <laughs> right well and so here's the issue is that there's two things going on here and it's the same honestly whether it's for a company or an individual um is that there is a trade-off between security and convenience mm-hmm. so I, I had a chance to talk with a guy john lucich he's the president of network security group they've been doing this for decades a renowned expert on this and he pretty much said most companies he speaks with don't take this seriously even now. So even after the insane data breaches of the last few years, most companies don't take this seriously because of the complexity and the expense and the time that it takes to actually you know, put up a, a serious wall to this to stop it from happening. And so A, most companies aren't taking it seriously, but even if they do, let's say Capital One had put a ton of money into security here. All it takes is maybe they're working with a third-party contractor briefly, they have, and that contractor has access to the network, and that hacker gets in through the contractor into the network, and now they can expose everything. So there are so many loopholes that hackers can find to get in and get information. You start asking yourself, is there such thing as privacy anymore online? Can we expect that? Oh, well, okay, so Chris Burns, uh, what do people do about this situation? Yeah, so the number one thing is that, let's be honest, you and I have zero control. Like, we have zero control over whether our bank, whether it's Capital One or Bank of America or whoever, does not have the right security in place. There's nothing you can do about that. So you've got to take it down to the personal level. And this is where you and I face the exact same tension the companies face, which is convenience versus security, right? So let's get into the weeds here for a second. For instance, how about changing your passwords? Did you get to see the new Spider-Man movie? I no, I haven't yet. You're missing out. I know, I know. But anyway, there's a moment in there where they ask uh, one of the characters, what's your password? And he says, password. Right? And it's a joke because <laughs> his password is password. But how many people listening right now, you know, we're not going to ask you to raise hands, but you know that you're in that place. You've used the same password for 15 years. It's your mother's maiden name or whatever. And if a person found that out, they would have access to everything, right? Yeah. But you're not changing it. You go, well, why aren't you changing it? Because it's not convenient. It's a right. lot more work to figure out a good password. So stuff like changing your passwords. How about two-factor authentication? How many people opt out of that? You've seen it pop up on your website, and it says, well, we want to add two-factor authentication. In other words, if someone tries to log in, they're going to send you a code to your phone specifically that you have to input. Right. It's a pain. So nobody wants to do it. 
or the annoying pop-up that says, are you sure you want to open this file? So you decide you turn off those pop-ups because it's just annoying you on your computer. Right. Um, all of those things actually can dramatically improve your safety, but they're a bit of a pain. And so a lot of us ignore them. And the number one thing by far, and you've heard everybody say this, but it doesn't matter how many times we say it, if we don't actually do it, that's freezing your credit, right? When you freeze your credit, even if someone gets this information, so even if you know they, they hack into Capital One, they have all your pertinent information, what can they do with that information? They can go apply for a credit card in your name, but not if you've frozen your, your credit. Then they have no way of being able to do that. But here's what's interesting. The government made it free to freeze your credit by law. So now you can go and you can literally freeze your credit to all three major credit reporting agencies. So just for fun, I clicked I went to the websites of all three agencies today to say, well, how easy is it, though, to figure that out? For two of those, for Equifax and TransUnion, on the front page, they literally had a drop-down bar that said, hey, affected by the Capital One breach, freeze your credit now, and it's that simple. But Experian, on their front page, here's a shocker, is a, hey, you can protect yourself, click here, and it's a paid service. So the government (laughs) has made it free. The government has said it is free to freeze your credit, but Experian is promoting, you can find it if you go deep enough in their website how to freeze your credit for free, but they're promoting a $25 a month service to protect oh, your grief. credit and freeze it. And I know it's shocking to think that a large financial company would try to take advantage of you, but in the midst of all this going on, they're still doing that. So friends, you've got to take it upon yourself. It's free to do this. We actually put a link on our website, dynamicmoney.com, to where exactly you can go to freeze your credit. But you can find that all over the place right now. Just don't be fooled into paying so, for something that's free. I, I guess I need to go do that, huh? Man, if you haven't done that, we need to talk, brother. <laughs> yeah, we we need to talk about lots of things, including that. Yeah, you talk. and Clark Howard both have been, been telling me, and, and honestly, I, I guess I need to. And it's a pain, because when you do it, it requires you have a pen. You have to keep track of the pen. And if you want to apply for something, for you know, apply to buy a car or any sort of loan, you have to have that pen to unfreeze to thaw your credit, but it's worth it because I cannot tell you the people that come into my office that have had their identity stolen, that damage can take months and years to untangle. So far better to take 20 minutes and freeze your credit and deal with a little bit of pain there than to actually become compromised and now see potentially catastrophic effects. All right. I I guess I'll do that. (laughs) Before the conference, Eric, uh, okay. For the weekend, jump on, take 10 minutes, knock it out. You'll feel better, I promise. All right, Chris Burns. I got to leave it there. Thank you very much for stopping by. Hey, thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Chris Burns, Dynamic Money. You can hear him here on Sunday. You can always go to dynamicmoney.com as well. Uh, Joey and Alpharetta, you're going to be up next tonight. Welcome. Hey, how are you today? Good. How are you? Uh, a couple of breaks ago, I had heard you mention uh, you had pondered as to what it would look like for these Equifax and um, credit um, bureaus being hacked and stuff like that, people's information, I feel like the answer is already out there. And so biblically, the way that things play out is financial transactions happen with the mark of the beast. I'm not trying to get into all that kind of stuff. Yeah, let's but not. I feel like this is kind of evidence that things of the future, as it plays out like that, could come true because everybody's going to have that unique thing. And if it's personalized and it's always on you, 
that's the solution. Okay, Joey, I, I, I got to tell you. I, so I had a conversation with a guy. Charlie will know who I'm talking about, who was trying to get me to commit to something he, he had developed. And his entire thing was that uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was the mark of the beast that you, you China now is trying to force everybody in China into this uh, essential one currency tracking system where oh suddenly what they can do. And they're, they're actually doing this now with Christians in China where you can be denied credit access and, and everybody uses um, oh, what is it? Uh, I forget the name of the app now. Everybody in China uses it. You here in the United States cannot appreciate this. But in China, every major life experience now happens on your phone on an app that everybody has. It's one reason that Apple is having a hard time breaking into China is because no one needs the iOS platform because everybody just needs this app. So you can buy a really cheap phone and get the app. And when you pay in restaurants, you use the app. When you send notes to people, you do the app. And well, guess what? The Chinese control the app, and if they don't like you, if you're a Christian, you suddenly can't use the app. And there are a lot of businesses that no longer take cash in China. They take the app. And so, yeah, the, the, there's a problem there. But the invasion of privacy issue is not necessarily related to that. What are we going to do with the invasion of privacy issue? You also need to know uh, what the polling is showing headed into tonight's debate. Uh, the policy polling of what people are interested in, which I'm fascinated by. Um, so Axios has done a, a big poll deep dive on what people are really interested in hearing about. You will probably not be surprised by this. Uh, but fewer people are interested in hearing about the economy tonight than in the first debate, and fewer people are actually interested in hearing about the and the environment compared to the first debate. What more people want to hear about? Oh, and l l let me just just to clarify, most people are still interested in the economy, fifty percent. But actually, healthcare now more people are interested in hearing about healthcare from the Democrats than the environment, and immigration has shot up as well. And what's so interesting here is that most people, independents, moderate Democrats, and Republicans alike, are opposed to the progressive Democratic positions on healthcare and immigration. Bernie Sanders essentially is going to have to be on stage tonight and defend his Medicare, Medicaid for all situation. Kamala Harris has released her Medicaid for all plan, but now she's claiming she'll allow private insurance companies to exist as long as they comply with the government's plan. So they can do the government's plan and just implement it more efficiently, I guess. Uh, and then the immigration issue, most Americans, including moderate Democrats, including black and Hispanic Democrats, shh. You don't hear that in the media, that majority of black and Hispanic, or I shouldn't say majority, but a strong plurality of black and Hispanic Democrats are opposed to the Democrats' radicalism on immigration. You know, it, it turns out that Hispanic voters who came to this country legally really get hacked off at the people trying to cut in line and, and sneak across the Rio Grande. And black Democratic voters view it as an issue of taxing social services and taking jobs from them. They don't like it either. And the Democrats are in a harder and harder position. I, I saw a bumper sticker earlier, and I can't use the word on the radio. I, I wouldn't use the word on the radio. Um, but it is, it, it was a sign, and it, it was the president's campaign logo. It says Trump 2020. And underneath it, it says, mm, you again. Uh, and yeah, you can get the the... The first word, leave it to your imagination. 
But that's actually voter sentiment out there right now, believe it or not, is on these cultural issues, even a number of moderate Democrats are beginning to express concerns about the progressive tilt of the Democratic Party. And that's why Joe Biden has to have a strong debate performance tomorrow night. He's not going to be on stage tonight. It's going to be Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and most of the moderates. It's going to be a Lily White debate stage tonight, unless you count Elizabeth Warren and her fake Native American nonsense. Tomorrow night will be much more diverse. Uh, tonight is is the all-white debate, and tomorrow night's going to be the all-fight debate with Joe Biden versus Kamala Harris on stage with, with some of the other candidates there. Uh, the, some of these candidates are going to have to go to extreme lengths to stand out because otherwise they're not going to be invited to the September debate. And in the process, they're going to become more extremist. Biden has to hang on. And the polling shows that Biden's doing okay. He's got about 40% support right now within the Democratic Party. But you could head to a brokered convention, given Democratic rules, at 40% for Biden if he can't clear things up. But the way Biden's got to clear things up is he's got to drift to the left on issues. And drifting to the left on issues is going to hurt him in the general election against the president because so many of the people who are watching tonight outside of the the progressive fringe have really developed a pox on both your houses mentality and they're going to stay home. And if there are, there may be in this country, a lot of people say we're now center left and I do tend to agree with that. We, we as a whole in this country, because of the population in California and, and New York and whatnot, we are a center left country. But you can't win by being center left in this country if you can't make inroads into more moderate areas, thanks to the Electoral College. The Electoral College is a genius move by the founders to stop this this majority control in the country, which, I mean, the mob is in charge is a bad idea, and the founders knew it. I'm a huge proponent of the, of the Electoral College. And if the Democrats go far left, a lot of these moderate voters are going to be turned off by them. Then they won't go vote for Trump, and this is what people miss— they don't have to go vote for Donald Trump if they just sit home. There are far fewer fringe progressives in this country than there are mainstream conservatives who will go vote for the president. And that will impact the Electoral College. President Trump could get reelected in 2020 by becoming the first man to lose the popular vote twice. That's unheard of. But because the Democrats have taken such a polarized position in this country and alienated so much of the country outside of the, the metropolises along the coasts, it's making it very harder for them to find a path forward with the rest of the country. And their position to highlight their radicalism is that instead of trying to win in places like Iowa and Western Pennsylvania, they just want to get rid of the Electoral College. That They want to declare the Senate illegitimate. They want to change the rules to benefit themselves. They can't win under the rules that we've had in this country for over 200 years. And so now they're declaring the whole process illegitimate. And that's going to turn off even more people as you head into the election year. We uh, will be talking about the Democratic debate tonight uh, a little bit on Mark Aram's show. I'm going to talk to him about it uh, as things heat up tonight. Uh, Beto O'Rourke is announcing that he's essentially rebooting his campaign. Poor Beto. He seems lost. Um, he is really trying to focus his campaign. He's really trying to come across as more than an empty suit, which means he's going to fail. But 
he can't understand that the reason the media loved him so much was that he was running against Ted Cruz. He, he, he really seems to believe that the media was sincere when they told him they would call him the next day, and they never did. Uh, he just thinks they lost the phone number. No, they, they were just using him. And he lost to Ted Cruz. You know what's so remarkable is all these Democrats on stage tonight, about 90% of them should be running for the Senate in their home states. And they're not. They've left lesser candidates to run for the Senate, which means they're not going to get the Senate back next year.